0: Welcome everyone, welcome to our Wednesday morning worship, welcome to those of you in the room and to those of you who are joining us online. I'm going to begin with some words that I first heard when I first went into a Unitarian church ten years ago and which helped me to realise that I had found my spiritual home. As Unitarians we are people seeking truth, meaning, love, and deep connection. So let's just take a moment to settle ourselves in this sacred space and sacred time. Our opening words are by Andrea Hawkins Camper. In the houses of the holy, the world pauses. In the hearts of the holy, love abides. In the havens of the holy, hope comforts. In the hearths of the holy, spirit refreshes. Come then, one and all, gather in. Come then, one and all, gather here. Bring here all of your heart. Bring here all of your body. Bring here all of your soul. Come then, bring the broken, the vulnerable, the ragged, the outcast, the other. Come then, gather in, come. Come then, one and all, gather in. Come then, gather in. Our chalice lighting words for today were written by Lizzie Kingston Harrison. So I invite Lizzie to come and read them for us now as I light our chalice. Thank
1: you. We light this chalice for the people who are not in the room. May our circle of light fall upon those on the margins. Vulnerable and forgotten, those trapped at home by illness and age, those who feel judged, excluded, ashamed, in pain. May our warmth hold those with precarious lives, carers and struggling parents, those juggling work life and bills, the exhausted and burnt out, anyone who is just trying to get through the day. May our flame inspire those who share our principles and feel they carry the grief of the world alone. May they find us and may we be stronger together. May we go out and walk beside those who are not in the room. And may we do this sacred work with open arms and break down the walls and hold all in our expansive and loving embrace.
0: Thank you, Lizzie are we sitting comfortably? (laughs) (coughs) And I'll begin. Our story today is called When You Have More Than Enough. Once upon a time there was a family. Maybe this family had not quite enough to eat. Or maybe they had just about enough. Or perhaps they had more than enough. You might not have been able to tell. They might not have been able to tell. Sometimes it's hard to tell if you have enough or not. It's hard not to want more or different things than you have. In any case, this family came together one autumn day for a celebration, a feast, a time of gratitude. They gathered around a table. There was food, there was drink. There were flowers, to remind them of beauty. And then there was a call from the gate outside their door. Hello. We're hungry and thirsty. And we see you have a feast. May we come in? Well, the family didn't know at first how to answer. Who were these people at the gate? Was it safe to let these people in? Did they have enough to share? Was there room? But they remembered. They remembered that most of them had come to this family, to this celebration, from someplace else. They remembered that even they, who were there at that table, had not always been kind to each other. There had been times when they had hurt each other. There were still times when they made each other sad or angry or afraid. There is no way to make life completely safe. They remembered times when others had shared with them, even when the others might not have had quite enough of their own. They remembered when each new member of the family had been born, or come to stay, or married in. They remembered that they had always found a way to make room. And they remembered an old, old saying, when you have more than you need, it is better to build a longer table than to build a higher fence. (laughs) We have enough, they said. We might have more than enough. We are many and strong, and we can hold a safe space here in our home for all who come. And so they went out of their door and to the gate in the fence. They opened the gate. They invited the people who were there in Inside, they pulled out another table and made space for these newcomers. They covered it with a cloth, and the newcomers set upon it a dish full of something fragrant and delicious, which was strange and wonderful to the family. Everybody shared, and there was enough. I want us to notice now that we only heard one part of that story We heard the story of the people who were in the family, in the house, ready to feast. We didn't hear the story of the people at the gate wanting to come in. We don't know who they are or why they are there or what they bring to the table, other than the strange and wonderful food. So when you hear other stories, think about whose stories they are and whose stories they are not and what those other stories might have been. The end. So as our children (coughs) leave for their activities, we'll begin with our first song, which is a lovely gathering chant, number 227, Gathered Here. So Nick will play it through and then we'll begin. And if you want to split into a round, that would be really lovely. 不<音> I invite you to join me in a time of prayer and reflection now. Spirit of life, ground of all being, our mother and father, you are throughout the whole cosmos, holy are all your names. Holy are we, whoever and however we are, Your realm of love and justice come through the actions of our hands and the desires of our hearts. Open our hearts to those who live at the edges, in the shadows. Let us welcome them in love and practise compassion towards all beings. Give us what will nourish us today. Let us be grateful for everything we have. Forgive us when we miss the mark, as we forgive those who cross our boundaries. Give us the strength to be honest with ourselves. In trying times, guide us on the right paths as we learn to trust our inner wisdom and in times of joy and sorrow may we keep turning towards the light of love for you are the source of all that has been, is now and will be. Let us honour your indwelling presence forevermore. Amen. Our reading today is called Grenfell Tower. It was written in June 2017 by Ben Oakree. These are some excerpts from this poem. Those who are living now are dead. Those who are breathing are from the living earth fled. If you want to see how the poor die, come see Grenfell Tower. See the tower and let a world changing dream flower. Residents of the area call it the crematorium. It has revealed the undercurrents of our age. The poor Who thought voting for the rich would save them. The poor who believed all that the papers had said. The poor who listened with their fears. The poor who live in their rooms and dream for their kids. The poor are you and I. You in your garden of flowers, in your house of books who gaze from afar at a destiny that draws near with another name. Sometimes it takes an image to wake up a nation from its secret shame. And here it is every name of someone burnt to death on the stairs or in their room who had no idea what they died for or how they were betrayed. They did not die when they died. Their deaths happened long before. It happened in the minds of people who never saw them. It happened in the profit margins. It happened in the laws. They died because money could be saved and made.
2: We honour them.
0: Those who are living now are dead. Those who were breathing are from the living earth fled. If you want to see how the poor die, come see Grenfell Tower. See the tower and let a world changing dream flower. They called the tower ugly. They named it an eyesore. All around, the beautiful people in their beautiful houses didn't want the ugly tower to ruin their house prices. Ten million was spent to encase the tower in cladding. Had it ever been tested before except on this eyesore? Had it ever been tested for fire? been tried in a blaze, but it made the tower look pretty. Yes, it made the tower look pretty. But in 24 storeys, not a single sprinkler. In 24 storeys, not a single alarm that worked. In 24 storeys, not a single fire escape, only a single stairwell. Designed in hell, waiting for an inferno. That's the story of our times. Make it pretty on the outside, but a death trap on the inside. Make the hollow sound nice, make the empty look nice. That's all they will see, how it looks how it sounds, not how it really is, unseen. But if you really look, you can see it. If you really listen, you can hear it. You've got to look beneath the cladding. There's cladding everywhere. Political cladding, economic cladding, intellectual cladding, Things that look good, but have no centre, have no heart, only moral padding. They say the words, but the words are hollow. They make the gestures, and the gestures are shallow. Their bodies come to the burnt tower, but their souls don't follow. Those who are living now are now dead. Those who are breathing are from the living earth fled. If you want to see how the poor die, come see Grenfell Tower. See the tower and let a world's changing deed flower. The voices here must speak for the dead, speak for the dead speak for the dead. See their pictures line the walls. Poverty is its own colour, its own race. They were Muslim and Christian, black and white and colours in between. They were young and old and beautiful and middle aged. There were girls in their best dresses, with hearts open to the future. <coughs> Excuse me. There was an old man with his grandchildren. There was a Maya Tuku, three years old, burnt to ashes before she could see the lies of the world. There are names who were living beings who dreamt of fame or contentment or education or love, who are now ashes in a burnt out shell of cynicism. There were two Italians, lovely and young, who in their inferno were on their mobile phones to friends while the smoke of profit suffocated their voices. There was the baby thrown from many stories high by a mother who knew otherwise he would die. There were those who jumped from their windows, and those who died because they were told to stay in their burning rooms. There was a little girl on fire, seen diving out from the 20th floor. Need I say more?
3: We honour them, each one.
0: Those who are living are now dead. Those who were breathing are from the living earth fled. If you want to see how the poor die, come, see Grenfell Tower. See the tower and let a world-changing deed flower. Let us sing again. Our next hymn is number 204, (coughs) When I am Frightened, 204. come and give us our theme talk today. Thank
2: you. Good morning, good morning. Um, this is completely off script. I chose that poem because I felt it said something really powerful. Mm-hmm. But the way I wanted to start today doesn't really follow on from it, so I just want to acknowledge that. I don't want people to feel that I intended to be flippant after such a powerful poem. So if we could just sit with that for a moment, gather ourselves and I will go back on script if that's okay with you. Okay. So let's, let's just have a moment. Take a breath. So, as we hold with us the power of that poem, the image of what it describes, and and the pain and suffering that we have had just a tiny taste of, I offer you my thoughts around, a variety of um, those that we can't see, those invisible, misunderstood, marginalised and vilified. In places I will be a little light-hearted. It will be nice to smile. It does not dishonour what we have just heard. I hope. So, in our exploration of telling the truth of our lived experiences, I want to look further at those lives, those experiences that are invisible, that are not told, that are not heard. And also, those who are not heard because of the stereotypes. The dominant discourses are so loud that they deafen us to the reality of the individuality and complexity of the truth, the true experiences of people who are sometimes portrayed as one-dimensional cliches. Is anyone here a fan of Queer Eye? Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Oh and everybody else is Scratching their
3: heads. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a student minister at Macclesfield, I was given that book as I, as I left as a gift, as a parting gift from one of the members of the congregation. I think they said something about my attire at the time. Okay, <laughs> okay, yes. That's,
2: that's that could be talking. taken in, in different yeah. ways, yeah. couldn't
3: yeah. it? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm thinking about The Rebooted American. I mean, they've been on for about five seasons now. So it's a Netflix show that connects people in need of more than a wakeover, really a life reboot, with a group of four queer men and one non-binary queen, and they're known as the Fab Five. Episodes are actually often incredibly touching, with participants supported to have difficult conversations with family members or friends, to feel better about themselves, to be able to look to the future and make much needed changes in their lives. You can tell I'm a fan, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and my daughter Lizzie is also a fan, and we also, we'll always talk about the episodes together. She cries at it even more than I do. It always makes me, almost always makes me cry. One participant, Steph, from New Orleans, was living with her partner Rachel, but following a horrible homophobic incident and a continuous scre- stream of negativity, she, she felt ashamed of who she was and covered that up with a uniform of sports supporter gear to make other people more comfortable. Sorry, I'm just going to interrupt. Does anyone have tissue I could borrow? Oh, Nicola, thank you so much. Thank
3: you. Right. Oh,
2: I'm sorry, guys.
3: cancer
2: of the Thank you. Um, yes, she, wa- she felt she needed to make other people more comfortable. So the narrative that was being told about her was that she, she had to hide and she believed it and hid behind being a sports superfan. This story may be familiar to you. If it is, I'm so sorry. It certainly got to Lizzie, who's been shouted at in the street for dressing in her signature colorful rainbow style. She loves her color. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just the homophobic incident, but a constant stream of looks and comments and the societal discourse that Lesbians should live in the big northeastern cities in California and not in the south and definitely not in New Orleans. The result was an internalised homophobia which had become normal to Steph and her limited lifestyle had also become normal. She had made herself invisible. I see we have more boxes of tissues the <laughs> The Queer Eye episode I'm talking about is Series 7, Episode 2, if you'd like to watch it. Or, obviously you guys online, if you have Netflix, you can watch it. Or, um, I have downloaded it to my laptop. So if you want to get, grab me some time in a free moment, we can gather around and watch it. And... If we're talking about invisibility, mm-hmm. of course, the Australian government, in the situation I was talking about at Christmas Island, they are purposely and deliberately keeping their asylum seekers invisible, offshore, mm-hmm. away from prying eyes, indefinitely. But there are many others who are invisible, ignored, misunderstood, marginalised, vilified, and many of these are much closer to home than Christmas Island. Obviously, we've heard Grenfell Tower may be geographically close to some of you. I want, oh, sorry. Today, I want to challenge you to think of those in your community, in your location, in your interest group, who are invisible right now. And of course, keen listeners amongst you will have spotted what I missed out and that Lizzie mentioned. What about those who would be in your interest group, in your workplace, in your church, but are excluded? Lizzie and Nicola actually spoke on this subject in their online theme talk last year. Available online and worth a look if you have time. I also want to challenge you by saying, it can be easier for us to care about those detained on Easter Island, I put Easter Island, Christmas (laughs) Island, and criticise the Australian government for keeping them there, than it is for us to look at our own communities, our own streets, our own congregations, communities, um, the parents, the other parents of kids at our school, I'm thinking of the uh, a conversation I had earlier and acknowledge those who are invisible and our own part in excluding them or purposely, unconsciously not seeing what is there. Let's just spend a few moments in a time of quiet thinking of who might be invisible to us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> In some ways, the pandemic highlighted some of this invisible multitude, the elderly and people with disabilities in care homes, the elderly living at home alone or being cared for by relatives, those with chronic health conditions. We also realized, I don't know why we didn't realize before, that there is an invisible army of low paid workers who are essential in getting us the food we need and keeping the country running. As a foster carer, I am also becoming aware of another invisible group, those who have suffered in childhood, sometimes known as those with adverse childhood experiences or ACEs to um, professionals. Mm -hmm. When I had a spare bedroom, I was regularly being sent information about young people who needed a placement. Just reading the profiles could be heartbreaking. Young people with adoption breakdowns, young people who had suffered multiple moves, neglect, and obviously lots more. These are the young people who eat dry noodles to remember what it was like when they were six and no one fed them and their younger siblings. These are the young people who drink and get into fights because they don't know another way of dealing with difficult feelings. As these young people grow into adults, their childhood experiences will still be affecting them physically and mentally, but they are completely invisible. Indeed, most people with mental health problems are invisible as well as those with so-called invisible disabilities and chronic health issues. Addiction issues, gambling, alcoholism and domestic violence are also invisible and often hidden in shame. If you have been affected by any of these issues or anything else I mentioned during my talks please do take a minute to speak to Michael for some extra support. Poverty can also be invisible. And for those of us who are comfortably off, we should not fall into the trap of thinking that someone like us can't be struggling financially. Homelessness, especially sofa surfing, is another situation that may well be hidden through shame. So what can we do to see those who are invisible? We need to be open, aware, read those stories of invisible lives, watch those TV shows, not overload ourselves, just, just be aware. Not so that we can know about the lives of any, everybody who is invisible. That would be impossible, because everyone is unique. Not so that we can understand all the oppressions that have led to that point. Again we would never want to be telling someone what their story is. We need to read or watch different stories to open our minds to how the world is for some people and challenge some of our own preconceptions. In Canada, at the beginning of an event, I think normally a municipal event, but I guess it depends on on the uh, organisers, there is an acknowledgement of the original owners of the land. The land acknowledgement for Ottawa is, I would like to begin by acknowledging that the land on which we gather is the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Aishnabeg people. I love this. This practice makes visible the often invisible indigenous First Nation population. It's just making a start to recognize their existence which was denied by the colonizers' appropriation of land, forced assimilation and erasure of memories. As well as our LGB siblings, such as Steph in New Orleans, I spoke about earlier, our trans siblings are having such a difficult time right now with campaigns which appear to be trying to protect children. Can't we all get behind that? Actually stirring up fear and hatred for trans women and men. The result is that trans teens suffer worse mental health and victimisation. That's not protecting children. Daniel Radcliffe cut to the heart of it when he said, Adults need to trust kids to tell them who they are. I think he's onto something there. We can go on. Trust people of colour to tell you what's happening. Don't deny their experiences of racism and oppression. Trust people with invisible disabilities to tell you what life's like for them. Don't Google their disorder, then ask them if they've tried this or that. (laughs) (laughs) Trust those in poverty when they tell you how hard life is. Don't give them recipes for porridge and lentil soup. Trust people who have suffered trauma to tell you how it has affected their lives. Don't offer up solutions as if they haven't already tried to help themselves. Trust people who are neurodiverse to tell you what is difficult and what is helpful. Don't act as though they're just not trying hard enough or make the exact same adjustment that you do for your autistic nephew. Both Jesus and the Prophet Muhammad made a point of including those who were traditionally excluded. We all know the the tale of the Good Samaritan, a foreigner who cares for someone of a different group and is seen to be truly a good neighbour. Jesus constantly looked around him as he travelled about and truly saw many people who were invisible – tax collectors, lepers, blind people, sick people, poor widows, children, sinful widow, sinful, sinful women, and probably sinful widows as well.
1: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: <What kind> of... <laughs> Foreigners. Through my youngest son, I've learned a lot about Islam, which is also based, built on a base of equality, with Bilal, said to be the first to give the public call to prayer, a, free, a freed slave from Ethiopia. Whether visible or invisible, those who are different from the standard white male archetype are often stereotyped with thin, often prejudicial stories. The residents of Grenfell Tower, ironically a high-rise building which was and is far from invisible, were treated as less than, as unimportant. A carelessness or thoughtlessness was at work, a concern for appearances rather than valuing the safety of those living there. Many of the residents were people of colour, low-paid, migrants, refugees. More importantly, they were perceived as different So we try to notice and interrogate the dominant narrative. This is the reason why certain groups are marginalised, why they are vilified. The narrative, this narrative is thin, it puts people into boxes, it limits them and stops our minds being open to the authentic stories of each person as an individual and not a stereotype the dominant narrative overshadows individual stories and makes the individual invisible hidden underneath there's another dominant narrative that we need to always be positive has anyone come across that one yeah look on the bright side is another reason that people can make themselves invisible when there's a pressure to be positive to be okay to see the silver lining in every cloud. We may either consciously or unconsciously keep hidden our authentic experiences. When things are going badly, a cursory, how are you, doesn't feel like the moment for anything more than a fine thanks. (laughs) Sometimes the dominant narrative is not that we or our stories are unacceptable in some way, but that they are trivial or boring just not worth telling. When my first child was about six months old, I booked myself on a philosophy study day in London. I live in Surrey. It was the first time I had been away from her for a substantial period of time. And while I was sitting on the tube, I was desperate to tell all the strangers around me, have a baby, you know. (laughs) She's not with me right now, but I have a baby. (laughs) At the seminar, we started to explore the work of, this is another one I should have checked the pronunciation of, Luce Irigaray? No. Thank you. <laughs> 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 to be honest, I can't really remember much about it, but I recall the tutor saying something like, Irigaray wanted to br- bring the stories of women into the narrative. into the narrative. Domestic chores and household tasks are worth writing about. And a young man interrupted and said, but that's just boring, isn't it? (laughs) That, of course, proved her point and showed exactly how some stories are dismissed. On a personal level, it was also diminishing to my life as a stay-at-home mum with a baby. All stories from all people are important. If a story is being told about a certain group, take a minute to question that story and look beneath or beyond it for the authentic stories of each individual. As Rebecca Solnit says, a free person tells her own story and a valued person lives in a society in which her story has a place. May we be able to listen to all the stories and may we work towards making a society in which every story is valued. So, as always, there is an invitation now for prayerful reflection on what today's discussion of the invisible, misunderstood, marginalized, and vilified may have brought up for you. You are invited, if you wish, to write something to be included in our closing pl- prayer. As always, there is no there is no pressure to write anything, and I think it's likely that we will not able to include everybody's thoughts but Michael is going to type them all up and they will be posted a bit later in the week Um, and while you're thinking and writing or just thinking or just being still that's also fine Um, Nick will be playing something meditative
3: thank you
0: Let us continue with a few minutes of silent reflection. Let us come together again in a time of prayer, holding in our hearts all of the stories. Stories that are difficult to hear. Stories that move us and touch us and help us to feel the pain of the world. Blessed are the story carriers. May we be aware of the invisible and the marginalized all around us. And may we dare to make ourselves visible. We pray for the people who highlight inequality in our society, for all people who suffer. We pray to keep our own counsel for our sadness, for our guilt and our anger for the marginalised. May we take time to remember the untold stories. Let the memories of the love live on. May we remember that our joy does not dishonor suffering. It is indifference that does. May we truly see through the cladding Do you hear, oh my friend, do you hear? All the cries, all the cares, all the dreams and the dares, they are yours, they are mine, they are theirs. Do you hear? Thank you for all your prayers. Let us hold them in our hearts with compassion and tenderness. Amen. Invite us to sing our final song now. It's number 181, Wake Now My Senses. But the tune that we're going to be singing it to is not the tune that's in the book, for those of you who read music and never going to be confused. It is the, actually the tune to uh, Be Now My Vision, which is known as Slain. Hopefully you will know it. Nick, would you like to just play it through for us once and then we'll start. Again by Andrea Hawkins Camper. May we see it all as it is. And may it all be as we see it. May we be the ones to make it as it should be. For if not us, who? If not now, when? This is answering the cry of justice with the work of peace. This is redeeming the pain of history with the grace of wisdom. This is the work we are called to do, and this is the call we answer now, to be the barrier and the bridge, to be the living embodiment of our principles, to be about the work of building the beloved community, to be a people of intention, and a people of conscience. Amen.